This is Channel Attitude. Your voice, your right, your freedom. Goldie's Closet, what a banger we've got today. Wow. It's your golden girl, Goldie. We've got one hell of a show. We've got Jim Bob Morris. Not only was uh, he was number 47 for the Green Bay Packers, one of my favorite teams, but he's also the creator and founder of the new El Bandito Tequila Company, who is sponsoring Jelly Roll right now on tour. We're going to hear, we're going to hear about Pro Ball. We're going to hear about El Bandito, about how this all came about we're gonna hear about how he met jelly roll at the airport flying out with kid rock's plane and apparently the plane was late and jelly roll needed to get to one of his concerts and jim bob morris just offered to uber his jet on right over to the concert i mean where do you hear these stories it's like this guy has been everywhere done everything knows everyone and without further ado i want to bring on jim bob morris just to talk a little bit about his brands his career it is just incredible life. Yay! I was going to, he was uh, in Houston and we were going to go pick him up anyhow. So I just took the El Bandito jet. I had him drop me off in Oklahoma City. They went down to Houston, picked him up. And then uh, I flew back because those guys were going to bust it to Austin. Let me tell you something. That's exhausting work, what those guys do. I don't know. I couldn't do it. I go, I go to one concert and I was exhausted. <laughs> How did you meet Red Hot Brian Scott, our mutual friend? You know, how did this Because he's happen? saying some pretty, pretty awesome things about you. And he's a hard nut oh. to crack. Well, he's he's way too kind. Um, Red Hot, I don't know how we got together initially. You know, we uh, uh, we met we met at, uh, when we started, when we kicked off El Bandito Yankee. Yeah. Um, we met him uh, uh, at Tailgates and Tallboys. And okay. um, uh, we just hit it off. I loved him. He's such a good guy. And and then we got to talking about his, you know, he's a car freak and I'm a car freak and, and just uh, that kind of stuff, you know. It's, it's I like fun. it. He's, yeah. Now, how do you know him? Well, I know him through uh, our mutual friend, Pete Evick, who is in the Brett Michaels band. And then our band opens for Brett Michaels and all those guys a lot. So, I've gotten to know Pete really, really well. And Pete informed me that the other day that the only reason that all the boys respect and talk to me is because I'm not a whore. So that was really nice. <laughs> so anyways, anytime. He's like, you know, that going for you. Hey, I'm not a whore. <laughs> I put that on my resume. Um, but he we said, yeah, get, yeah, yeah. Get yeah. He said, Let's get he t-shirts said, made up. I'm not, not a, a whore. whore. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like your t-shirt that you're wearing too. So yeah. I, I said, um, you know, Pete, we've got this new video that's out and it, it has a lot to do, well, it has a lot to do with suicide prevention, mental health awareness. And he said, I want you to talk to my, my boy, Red Hot Brian Scott. So right in the beginning of the pandemic, when there was a lot of people just freaking out and then the pandemic a year into it, um, Red Hots, uh, they do a lot with mental health. And, you know, I, I just, we, we connected and he came on my podcast a few years back and gave a, he gave a really, really honest interview about some really big bumps in the road that he's had. And I was just like, 
I wondered how is the audience going to, I have never had a higher rated show where they were like, who is this freaking real? It was really, really awesome. So he's just really raw down to earth. And as I've listened to so many of your interviews this week, um, Jim Bob, and you know, you're just a really down to earth guy. And I wanted to have you on today to talk about just a little football and perseverance and all the determination. I didn't know that you started El Bandito and came out in, in 2020. Is that right? Yeah, we came. We came out during the pandemic. Is that? What? Um, yeah, we. Uh, uh, I'll tell you what was going on. Is that um, Chelios? It was the end of nineteen, and Chelios and I and my buddy Big Tony from Chicago. Big Tony, it's a perfect name for a Chicago guy. It makes, it makes <laughs> it mysterious, Big Tony. Like, but we're Chelios and I and Big Tony are. It's December nineteenth of nineteen. Uh, Okay. And we are, are at the Lux Bar in Chicago and we're drinking, you know, one of our competitors. And and I go, <laughs> I don't like it. I go, I can taste the vegetable glycerin in it. And I I, okay. I own a I own a food ingredients company um, also. And so he goes, You can't taste that. And I'm in all these food science labs all the time. And I go, I'm damn sure can't. It's got vegetable glycerin in it. And it's got too much vanilla. You know, um, El Bandito, a side note. We're one of only out of three thousand three hundred tequilas. Got there's it. only two tequilas that are authentic, and we're certified yep. one of those uh, eighty-two. But I could taste that adulteration, and um, you're crazy. I, uh, I said I don't like it, and he goes, "Well, hey man, uh, I'll tell you what, Mister Tequila. Well, what we'll do is that maybe we should just." Because I was doing agave, he called me Mr. Agave because I was bringing agave up from Mexico. We were making agave nectar and sweetener out of it. Oh. He goes, "That's how it kind of." I thought, okay. and so I thought I knew everything about agave. Wrong, 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 wrong. And so uh, we got, um, I, you know, he goes, "Let's start our own." And and I go, "It's two thirty in the morning, Goldie." And, and so we're pretty. That's what ideas happen. Yeah, and that's how our best business stuff goes, you know, yep. 231 drunk, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I've had 20 surgeries. I'm I'm getting I'm recovering right now from a knee replacement. And a lot of it was, "Hey, hold my tequila. Watch me hold this. Let me show you some cool stuff." And um what happened was uh that was one of those nights. Uh then we, you know, here we are a couple years later now and um we're one of the uh you know, one of the top tequilas in the in the world. It's uh you know, our, our, we don't, you know, as far as the mass sales, I mean, we're not like Terramana. The Rock, you know, grew his spirits company, Terramana, was the fastest spirits company to ever grow to a billion dollars in valuation. And But The Rock could sell adult diapers and sell a billion dollars. That's Dwayne's company? That's his company? Yeah, yeah. He, he owns Terramana. I didn't, I don't even know that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. yeah. And it, you know, and I don't, I've got a case of it in my garage and people go, why do you got a case of Terramana in your garage? I go, have you tried it? No one will drink it. <laughs> now I, I say that. I hope the rock never catches up with me. You know, I'm going to have to practice some jujitsu shit or something, but anyhow, <laughs> but yeah. Um, but t, uh, we, we do taste tests against all the celebrity stuff all the time. Yeah, we, we beat them all. You know, we go to beverages to tasting and we get platinum awards and, you know, gold medals. And these, you know, we went to Vegas last year and uh, these both got uh, gold medal, um, gold medal and, and platinum medal. And uh, so we, we kicked everybody's ass. Jim Bob, your brand is just like so beautiful. Like I was looking at your website and if you're telling me that you just thought of it 
basically like the beginning, well, the end of 19 and then 20 and it's, it's 2023. Like how long did it take? Okay. How long did it take you from inception to retail? And then what kind of a team do you, you must have like, and who's Dane and like, you, you don't just do shit stuff, excuse me, like that overnight, like that. You, you yeah. have to have like an amazing team. Like I'm so blown away by how beautiful your brand yeah. is for being so new. Well, I appreciate that. That's, that's the kind words is that, you know, we have, um, you know, we're blessed that we have, you know, we've got, I, I have Morse packaging and, and that's, you know, we're, we're hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars and we got our ingredients company and those are both, you know, I mean, we're doing, you know, six, $700 million worth of stuff. And so I've got a pretty good administrative foundation. Okay. And okay. So when so- I, that helps. Okay. And so yes. it's easier for me to go and do bolt-ons because of that foundation. And so, you know, I've got um, strategic implementation officer for various projects. And so when I started this, you know, I went down to Mexico. Uh, we looked for a distillery and I wanted to be very authentic. And so we looked all over, um, you know, Helsico region and um, Alisco. And uh, I found what I wanted uh, in El Vieta and, uh, I, it was quaint, you know, we only have capacity for probably 250,000 cases and it was what I wanted. It was authentic. It was old school. It was the Orno ovens. Um, I just wanted to be old school. I wanted, I wanted the tequila to be like it was back in the 1600s. And so I really did drill down, uh, to being totally authentic and, um, and it was a task. And so it took me about, I started, uh, I drew, our, I drew our bandit. Um, you did? Night, yeah, I drew the bandit on a napkin, a bar napkin, uh, the night uh, at the Lux Bar at two thirty morning, and that it, that's what it was. It, that, that's it. And so, um, but so we started about uh, we started pretty quickly. I mean, in, in a couple of weeks, I was already down in Mexico, and uh, I went down there to the distillery. We started doing. Um, we started doing uh, formulation in February, and at the end of February, I brought the first tequila back in 20 of February. I brought the first tequila back. We tasted it. I mean, I had like, a, you know, a, a case and a half. We got drunk, and I went down two weeks later. We did another tasting, and this went on for a while, and I go, hey, guys. I thought they were just using me for a party. Okay. <laughs> but uh, no, we want, I wanted to get the formulation right. And the fact that I wanted a real smooth tequila. I wanted the, the uh, citrus elements uh, to come out uh, in the tequila. So we spent a lot of time perfecting what I, you know, I mean, what other people tell me too, you know, it's the smoothest tequila in the world and it's uh, it really can taste the agave. So, you know, having a food science background, I think that helped. And then, we have a process there at uh, uh, El Vieto where we oxygenate um, the product a little bit. And so that smooths it out even a little bit more. Not everybody does that. It's the same alcohol content, but it just provides just a smoother and it takes off that, that, that burn that you get from a lot of, you know, cheaper tequilas. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Russo's brand channel attitude. You're listening to Goldie's Closet. This is Jim Bob Morris. And for those of you that are wondering, like, where's the tie-in here? Well, one of my favorite teams, we all know I grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and hated the Vikings because I dated all of them. So I ran out of guys. 
had headed on over to the Packers. Brett Favre, how you doing? Didn't hit that, but yeah, you know the story. Uh, I was going to say, who didn't he hit? All my friends, but that's another podcast. Brett hit everybody. Okay. Brett hit, I've got so many stories that are not appropriate for this channel, but come on over to my Patreon and I'll let you know all about those. Not including me, again, for a friend, asking for a friend. Um, 8788, was it? Number 47? That's you? Yeah, is that, is it? I was going to say, we, like, I'm sorry, cut you off. Go ahead. Well, we, we didn't. Hey, we weren't we weren't very good. That was Force Greg. Uh, it's Force <laughs> Greg's years. We were not a very good team. Um, but but I you're had an incredible a, athlete, though. So that's what we're I talking about. I had a pretty about. good year. I mean, I led the team in interceptions. And I, I actually had a record at Green Bay for, for about 20 some years for the most interceptions for first year player. And then I had the forever. I had the, you know, interception return yardage. Uh, Per interception, I I had like three interceptions that were eighty yards. I got tackled on like the the two yard line on all of them, uh, and I, you know, I, but I ran like a hundred million yards. It wasn't just a hundred yard return. It was it was this way, this way. I mean, eighty five yards, but it was probably more like four hundred yards in returns. But I it was entertaining. Um, and then you know, I got I got hurt again. I had a lot of injuries. I had you know, I've had twenty surgeries. I had nine. Um, I had nine uh, uh, knee operations uh, replacements, and uh, I had, you know, I had, I had uh, this re- replacement recently, and so because of nine football, serious, huh? Because of because of the track, yeah. because of all the yeah. sports started that you played. That. Yeah, football started with that stuff. Yeah, Ugh. and so, um, but uh, then I had a broken back, broken neck. I mean, I, I had you know both all my shoulders have been worked on, and and. Uh, uh, I've had four shoulder operations and rebuilds. And so, you know, it's a rough sport. Um, and it certainly takes a damper on you. Um, but I got a good story about Brett. And so, I, uh, <laughs> you know, we've got, I got a good story about Brett. <laughs> we've got this, uh, uh, you know, Dane and I do, we do the. Um, yes, uh, on the bottom, the ticker. See it? Where yeah, is it? We do, we Jim do Bob pre-game. Morris. Yeah, yep. we do the pre- pregame show for uh, the Bears. And uh, so I had Jeff Perlman on our show, who's a, a prolific sports author, and he did a book about Brett called The Gunslinger. And and so he ended up not liking Brett. And so he would just go tell people, oh, don't buy the book. I can't stand Brett Favre. Well, oh, everybody no. went out and bought the book. Okay. And became actually, you know, New York Times bestseller. <laughs> yeah. But it, he's got some great stories in there about Brett. And, you know, you know how Brett was. Brett could be, you know, dorky. <laughs> well, the story I was going to tell is definitely, yeah, one of my dear friends who was a Vegas showgirl just let me know on a lot. I guess they dated for a while, and she just has some really interesting stories about the time that they dated, and dorky would be the word. And I, anybody, you know, me, I don't know what people would say about me, Jim Bob. I guess not a whore. Got that one in my hey, back pocket. I'm going to get you a T-shirt. It said I'm, tequila. Okay, Goldie, tequila, El Bandito Yankee, tequila. I'm not a whore. <laughs> and I will. I would wear it proudly. You have to let me know the next time you, I, and I know everybody says that to you, but I definitely have some things that I can offer to help business-wise the next time you're in yeah, the I'd national area. Yeah, love to have area. you on board. No, yeah, dude, you're amazing. You board, really. You're really, really, uh, you're, I just, I've just heard such great 
things. And I, I did look and it said that you played for, for six years. Is it because of the pain, the injury that you retired after six years? Was it? Well, I guess become- here's the deal. At some point they just tell you, Hey, you're just not any good. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> that, really? You, know, you, you get, you know, through attrition. I mean, football, you know, honestly, I mean, you know, like, I don't know if you watched the game the other night with Nick Chubb getting hurt. You know, he's 27 years old and they're already talking about, you know, that's really okay. old for a running back. And, you know, that they, after their 27th year in the, uh, you know, when they're 27 years of age, production um, for an NFL running back the, the next year when you're 28 goes down like 30%. And then, it, you know, continues to go down. So, you know, I can see why, you know, some of the teams are devaluing running backs, but, um, I still think they're a, a big value to the game, but Nick Chubb's injury that he had the other night, uh, uh, boy, he's going to have a really difficult time coming back from that because it's the same leg. I had it on the, my same leg and the tissue, once it's damaged, you know, it's just not the same tissue, you know, I mean, it's so rebuilding it again is, is really tough to come back from it. Just hard to get that strength back. Were you, know, you ready? Uh, pardon Were me? You ready? Were you ready to retire or? No, I wanted, I thought I was going to play forever, to be honest. I just, you know, I mean, you know, that, that first knee injury that was pretty bad, um, you know, by the time I got back into the NFL, I just, you know, I'd lost a step, you know, and, and, you know, gosh, I mean, coming out of college, I was relatively fast, you know, um, and then when you lose, you know, that you go from a, a four, five to a four, six, five to a four, seven, you can't, you're not going to be able to, to play in the NFL. You know, that's just not going to happen. Uh, when you got that news, when it, when reality set in, what's the first business? What was the first company that you started after that? And this is so important. Guys, bros and babes listening. You know, we've got a lot of uh, people woven in, in the brand, obviously sports entertainment, but pro wrestling. And I know, like, it's it's terrifying for some people that really do think they're going to wrestle for their entire life. And then something happens or there's an injury. Now, when I, the first wrestling match first promotion that I was in in 2002 when I started wrestling I remember being on a on a plane ride from LAX to uh to BNA from California to Nashville and I remember seeing a couple people sniffing around and of course they were wrestlers and I remember after a couple hours of conversations Jim Bob Jim Bob like a couple of them had broken necks and broken backs but this was a new federation this was a new promotion and organization and even though they had massive neck injuries, massive back injuries. They were like, this isn't going to stop me and my shot because basically back then there was WWE and there was nothing. So here's a new one. And they're like, I have a broken back. I have a broken neck. I'm going to go do it anyways. And they still plow through it, but there just becomes a time when there's nothing else that they physically can do. And the same with, you know, football and the concussions, it's not talked about like, but the concussions and the things and the head injuries that so many of you deal with for the rest of your life are just they're horrific. And were you just panicked or did you just think like, look, this is my time. Now I'm going to what start a business. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to go back to school. Like what did you, you do? Know, when it I, was, in? I was 30, you know, oh, God, and so, you're so young. I was 30 then. Uh, but Hey, by the way, did you ever meet Jeff Gaylord? No, he was, was he? he was one of my teammates in the USFL, and Jeff Jeff was a um, an Breath all American nose tackle from the University of Missouri, and and he played in in both the leagues, USFL and and the NFL, okay. and 
he wrestled for a while, and, and I, I didn't know. But you know, there's no. a, we've had a, a, just a slew of deaths in, in the wrestling community in the last several years, and wow. Jeff recently passed away as well. I mean, but you know, when in my era, you know, 1987, 1988, man, I will just tell you, I think that you know there was a, a huge percentage of of players in the NFL that were doing roids. You well, know, I mean, every, say, but what else? What, what else? So, like, the reason that all the the, the wrestlers die at 45 to 50 is because of the, the excessive drinking, um, the uh, somas and the pain pills. And, well, and, and the blow, the blow and the, the steroids. All that, blows up their, it, all that blows up their heart. Like, yeah, I mean, you, you can't it, go around doing steroids and then doing cocaine no, and no. then everything else and drinking. Oh, that's why you die. Yeah, and that's why, you know, and, and hey, um, you know, I was, I had, uh, I had Bill Moss on. Uh, he was a, uh, a great nose tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs All-Pro. He came on the show the other day and we were talking about um, uh, when we, you know, when we got done with practice, we left and we went to the the bar and got a beer. These guys, they leave today and they go get massage and they go get dry needle or they get, you know, joint manipulation. And and they're, I mean, they are doing such training uh, regimens that are so much different than, then in, in our era, just, you, you know, I mean, it's crazy. And the fact that, you know, I've thought about it. I mean, you know, we just didn't take care of our bodies. I mean, the guys in the seventies no. didn't do anything. The guys in the eighties, we weren't much better, but we had steroids, you know? And so a lot of guys, you know, were taking them and same thing in the wrestling industry. A lot of people were doing the roids and, and um, it, it just, you know, it's proven not to be healthy. But I think you guys were doing steroids in a more controlled way. I don't know. Cause I don't see, you can't, look the way that a pro wrestler taking a ton of cycles looks. You can't look like that and play ball. They're not running. They're not throwing. They're not like your arms wouldn't be able to even do the mechanics that would need to be done to play a proper game where I don't even, some of the guys in wrestling are just like, what what are you They're Now they're just mutating. Like, I don't even, I don't even know what, what that is like, but so I think you guys at least did it a little, the guys that were doing roids. You know, yeah, the, I mean, we, we were running, you know, yeah, a lot. exactly, exactly. You know, you know, yeah. That, that's, that's the difference. But, um, but yeah, there, there was a, you know, like I said, and then, you know, the pain pills and the administration oh. of, of that, I mean, that was crazy too. I mean, you know, you was had it? pretty much whatever you wanted. And I mean, we, you know, I think uh, I got shot up, you know, 16 weeks in a row on my shoulder one year oh, and man. that that really yeah. hurts and, and so and then you know you're not meant to you know my body wasn't meant to bench press 415 pounds i mean i'm not built for that i mean like when i came out of high school i think i was bench pressing like 155 pounds and then you know i get to college and you know we're working out and then you do that first set of roids and then you you know you get to 350 and you know and it just it's it it becomes addictive um you know you 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 start seeing those gains and yes. you see them quickly. I mean, you take that first uh, pop of roids and, and within four or five weeks, you know, you've, you've gained 50 pounds on your bench, you know. And then so then that just you just feeds you. You know, you want another 20 pounds and another 20 yep. pounds. And so, yeah, yep. but anyhow, those crazy, t- crazy times back in the, you know, the, the, the 80s, not only disco, there's some crazy stuff going on. <laughs> when did you start? your first company when you're done with, with what I was going to say wrestling, when you're done with football, just tell me a little bit about like walk yeah. us yeah, back. I you're 30 to, years old to now. Like what, what's going yeah, on? I had, to, 
I had the good fortune. I got to work with four billionaires. Okay. I spent some time with Lamar Hunt. I got to work. Well, how does the, wait, how does this happen, Jim Bob? Like, um, Lamar owned the Chiefs. Um, okay. And uh, so I got to work with uh, Lamar and I got to work with my friend, Phil Mann, who was really my, my mentor. Phil's now uh, our strategic implementation officer for us. And then I got to work for Mac Pogue and, and, uh, uh, I got to work for a couple guys uh, in, in real estate that were billionaires in Chicago. And so I got to see a lot of how they did things and, and, God. you know, we retained some of that. They did a lot of things right. And so when I left the real estate community in Chicago and I got into the, 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 the cycles for real estate were long. I mean, we'd work on a deal for, you know, 18, 24 months or longer. And so I got into the packaging world. And it became a little bit crazy because I could do deals like in a day. I was doing deals in a day. And that, I liked that action. And so I got into that. I, you know, hell, I couldn't even spell packaging when I got into the business. And then, you know, we took that, um, that entrepreneurial start and then uh, we developed into, you know, we're, our company was the sustainable packaging company of the year for a couple of years in a row. We're one of the largest large fat format uh, packaging companies in America. And so, we, you know, we took that. Then I got, you know, I got into the food ingredients business because I was selling packaging and everybody who used packaging was also using ingredients. And then, you know, we did that. Then we got into warehouse and transportation. And then, you know, I, I took a jump on a couple wild things that didn't have synergies. We got into, we have a gaming company called Wana.com, which is a gambling uh, sports betting uh, site. And we launched that in Brazil uh, to try to, out of the trillion dollars that's gamed and, and, and gambled on sports, 600 billion is in soccer. And so we went down to Brazil to capture that market. And we're just uh, probably in a couple months, we're bringing Wana.com to the United States uh, in a daily sports fantasy deal. And then we did Wana, and then we we launched El Bandito. Um, uh, we, we're working on, we got a deal. I mean, we just, we're not really, I don't think we're um, deal maniacs and deal junkies. It's just deals come to us that I think, okay, I can see the vision of where they're going. And, and everybody goes, oh, he's crazy. Well, I was crazy on the first deal. I could just tell you the same crazy efforts that I did for Morris Packaging. It made it one of the largest in the country. Is the same crazy that we're bringing to El Bandito and the same crazy we have for Wanted.com. And so we'll see how well crazy plays. Please, <laughs> yeah. please, please. When that is bad, when that's in the States, please come on the show again just for that. I will. Just to promote that. Like that's, that's up our alley of... Yeah, it's going right to be now. cool. It's it's a it's a daily sports fantasy. It gives players the opportunity to play for two dollars and build parlays to win. You can win up to two million dollars. Dude, on, that uh, that's like our bread and butter. That's all these yeah. all the You're guys listening it. do. Yeah. No, that's all they do is is that stuff. So they yeah. would absolutely love that. Wow. Yeah. So fast yeah. forward to a deal with uh with Jelly. That's pretty yeah. cool. What? This is a cool story. And so. uh mm, we were flying. Uh, Jelly Roll came into Bloomington, Illinois. Yep. And he did tailgates and tall boys. And, yep. and so he, we got him tequila and that was a year ago. We got him some tequila and a, a nice swag. Our swag's pretty cool and uh, hats and stuff. And, and he goes out on stage, you know, he was in the green room. He goes out yep. on stage and Jelly could use some expletives very creatively. Yep. 
And he goes out there, he goes, hey, you, blankety-blank mofo, expletive, expletive. He goes, that's the best blankety-blank tequila. And that kind of started our love affair. And then he blew his set up. I mean, he killed it. And and he was just getting hot. And so, you know, Jelly's had some issues. He's got, you know, two two ex-felonies and so forth for drugs and, you know, uh, uh, armed assault and stuff like that. And so... I'm flying through Nashville and we stop and I'm going to go make a call. And uh, I'm in, in uh, one of our jets and I stop there and Jelly's in the FBO lobby. And I walk up to him and go, hey, Jelly, I don't know if you remember. I go, I'm Jim Bob with El Bandito back at Bloomington. He goes, hell, man, I remember you. And so he was waiting on Kid Rock's jet to go take him to a concert. And, and it wasn't showing up. I go, well, hell, Jelly, you can jump on jet with me and we'll take you. I don't have any, I don't have crap going on. Come on. And and he looks at me and I go, like, okay, this isn't like an Uber, Jim Bob. You, were, you know, you just go let me take your jet. I go, come on, let's go. Well, about that time, Kid Rock's jet pulls up. And so, but about two months later, his team reached out to me and um, uh, John Manelli is is Jelly's agent and, and his uh, big time agent with the record labels. And John uh, was Jay-Z's agent for 17 years. So you can imagine yep. what kind of, you know, that, that had to be crazy times. I mean, yep. with, with Jay-Z. And so, so anyhow, John comes on board. He, I fly him up from, from Nashville, all of them up here. And then um, to do a concert, another tailgates and tall boys for this year. And then I take John out to my farm with the whole team and with the CMS guys down in Nashville too. And we, uh, uh, with John and we, we hammered out a deal, uh, that for us to do the sponsorship. And then, um, you know, not everybody wants to sponsor, you know, a guy with jelly's past, but I can tell you what happened. I'm watching a YouTube deal and Craig Morgan was one of my favorite, um, country music artists. And he wrote a song and played a song called almost home. Yep. And it always reminded me of when I grew up and uh, my parents got killed when I was a young kid and I, I was orphaned off to my aunt and uncle. And the song really resonated with me. And Craig Morgan used to say that the first time I heard it and I almost cried. Him and Jelly sang it on the Grand Ole Opry. And so I've got people that work in our organization who were with the CIA. OK, so if I want to vet somebody, I can vet them very, very well. And my team is going Jim Bob, what, why are you doing this deal with Jelly? You don't know. And I think, here's what you need to know. Jelly Roll played on the Grand Old Opry with Craig Morgan. I can tell you the Grand Old Opry doesn't let any shits play on that stage. I'm just telling you. you you're not a jerk off, okay? If you're playing on the Grand Old Opry, your redemption's there and complete. And with Craig Morgan signing off on you, that's complete. And so I knew that he was a good dude. I knew he was a bandito. You know, and when we did El Bandito Yankee, um, you know, the, the kind of the whole concept was, you know, everybody's got a little bit of bandit. In it. We all got a little bit of bandit, but it's kind of that ornery bandit, but it's just good times. And Jelly now is all about just having good times, bringing people together yep. and bringing hearts together. And that's kind of what our brand resonated. I thought he was the perfect bandito. And we were the first uh, corporate sponsors to do it. We jumped on. He got really big. Uh, people thought, wow, you're a genius. I go, no. I mean, I, there wasn't any genius to it. It was just a good feeling about meeting an individual and and seeing through, you know, all the stuff, you know. 
And I'm, I'm really happy for Jelly. He's he's killing it. I mean, he's going to be making so much money in the next couple of years. I mean, he'll probably forget about us. <laughs> oh, God. Don't ever say that. He's a really decent yeah. guy. He's a, yeah. He runs with a lot of the same. Um, I have a photography studio here in town also, so I get a chance to shoot uh-huh. a lot of these. I haven't shot J- Jelly, but... There's a lot of other um, country stars like that. And no, he, I, he I tell you what, he's, he's really he's a good guy. He's, it, we, we went to Oklahoma City, you know, uh, Tuesday for his concert. And I, I got to tell you, I don't know how he does it, man. Is that he, I've seen him now multiple times. And every time it just, it's different. And the energy is, yeah, he just he's got goes, great energy. It's, it's People unbelievable. Love People huh? love his transparency. They just, He's, you know, he's all American guy, just every, not even American, just worldwide. It's like a, that guy. It's like that? a religious cult. It's like a religious cult. I mean, I'm, I'm at Indianapolis for the uh, Indianapolis 500. And we're there with the uh, Andretti family. And we're getting ready to do some deals with those guys. And I'm walking down pit row and me and my buddy, Dane, and 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 uh, Drew Patey uh, was safety clean. who's like the mayor of all the racetracks. And I mentioned Jelly Roll. And there are four Army dudes. Every yep. one of them had post-traumatic stress syndrome. They turn around and go, Jelly Roll. They stopped us yep. and because they heard us talking about him. And it just flipped me out that, that, that he resonated with those yep. guys that much. I was really taken back by that one. That was, that was an interesting experience. You know, these guys all talked about their stories with post-traumatic stress and and how Jelly had really helped them on the turn and recovery because they were all, you know, they all got into drugs and and Jelly was part of their, you know, recovery. I thought that was cool as hell. Very, very cool. And yeah. you are not well, genius is a good word, brilliant. That's just a really great partnership that I couldn't think of a better person for you to have locked arms with. Like he's yeah. absolutely awesome on great that. Ba- great bandito. K State. Let's talk a little bit about your foundation, about what you're doing. And I, I watched some really interesting interviews. There was some older dude that you were talking to. It was a short night on things that you do to give back. And uh, what exactly is it? Just lay it out for me. What exactly? It's like, yeah. what was the word? Well, Equa- not equality, what, but like. Yeah. A few a few years ago, um opportunity came to me, you know, I was a welfare kid. I mean, I was the kid. So when we got orphaned off to my aunt and uncle, um, they were, they lived in a two little room shanty. We didn't have running water and, but you know, they were paupers. They lived through the depression and they had, they had money, but they just lived poorly. We, every Jeff Foxworthy joke was about us. And so one morning it's me, my little sister, my little brother, our parents are gone. And, um, my uncle Bud, he comes to the table. He's a pretty big boy, not as big as Jelly, but pretty big. And he goes, "Well, I got us a new house." Now I'm like 11 or 12, and I go, "A new house? When can we see it?" He goes, "They're driving it down tomorrow." And so, like, you know, I'm the dude that has I got wheels underneath our living room. Okay, that's me. And so we grew up, you know, pretty rough. Um, we were, uh, my dad was, uh, uh, he was Native American and, and he had an alcohol Your dad was? Your yeah. Dad was? And so our family name was Six Killer. And I was very proud of that. I, I actually, hell, I would have played two more years in the NFL just with that name. They couldn't have cut me. I was the only Native American in the league. But but anyhow, um, there's a story behind that too, why, why our family changed their name. But 
But anyhow, um, we grew up pretty rough. And, you know, when I got to Kansas State, that was the really the only opportunity for me that was, you know, for me to make. I got, you know, athletic ride. And so when I got done with everything, I wanted to make sure that, that I, pay, you know, played it back and, and paid it back in the fact that. So the first deal came to us to do a diversity center. And as I said, I grew up on welfare. I know what that stigma was like. And I, I, we got teased about it. But I wanted, you know, everybody, you know, regardless of, of religion or creed or sexual orientation, I wanted to build this. And we built the Morse Family uh, Multicultural Diversity Center, which was one of the first of its kind freestanding building. And so it was a great recruiting tool for Kansas State. And I, I wanted to pay Kansas State because they helped shape me. And then we had the opportunity to create the Morse Family Olympic Training Facility. And so one of my buddies drove past it the other day and he calls me up. He goes, Jim Bob, I just saw the new facility. They got your name up there. Were you an Olympian? And I go, no, but I want everybody to think I was. <laughs> what were so. you going to say? You said, and I stepped on you and I apologize. Um, you said that your dad had some issues with drinking and then you were going to yeah, say he something. Yeah, he was a full-fledged alcoholic. And that's what basically did him in. I mean, he had a, a head-on car crash. My mom, I mean, it was, we had a we had a, uh, we had had a a rough go. You know, I mean, he uh, he passed early. My mom passed uh, early. My Sorry. little brother passed um all of them in, you know, bad situations, car accidents, stuff like that. And so, um, you know, I, I you know, we, like I said, when my mom passed, I look at a lot of these people that, you know, at 11, the person who loved me the most and gave me the most attention and, you know, was really there for, for me. And I felt that love. And then all of a sudden that's gone. And so it's a little bit of a miracle that, you know, the jelly and Jim Bob didn't have the two felony exes. I mean, cause you know, growing up without that, that love and, and devotion, um, that's a hard thing, you know, and, and it's a hard thing, thing to overcome. And so, you know, I, and I think that, I think Jelly's a good example of, of how we can overcome things. And I think we've done a pretty good job as well in regards to, you know, examples that we can set for, for others. And, and, you know, you don't have to be this way. I mean, it's, you know, it's sometimes it's not our choice and I get that, uh, you know, the way things kind of develop, but um, uh, you know, you just, you know, keep on keeping on and good things will happen. What does the diversity center do for people? What's its main goal? You know, it's like um, when we first were starting it, we had some opposition, you know, from, from, you know, the, the local BLM authorities and they wanted to put a moat around, they wanted to put a moat around it. And, and it was my money. Okay. Me and, and uh, some other folks money. And and I go, like for real, well, they wanted walls and stuff. And I go, we're not building walls. We're not building moats. We're building bridges. We're taking people from this part of their life and we're going to transition them over to, to the next chapter of their life. So, okay, okay. so we had, a, we had some opposition. We had, we had some transgender opposition and it wasn't really opposition. They asked me what, you know, how we were addressing issues like transgender. I mean, when I say this place is for everybody, this place is for everybody. I mean, it doesn't matter your gender identification, your religion and any of that sure. um, you know, handicaps whatsoever. But so anyhow, um, uh, one of the things that we did is that we recognized early that, uh, gender identification was going to be a problem with the restrooms. And so 
we made sure that we attacked that right out the bat because, you know, we can't put all the pressure on society in the fact that we see something that doesn't look normal. And my little girl went in there and, I, you know, I don't want to be responsible for, for mis, uh, uh, misconception of something. And so we made them all, you know, non-gender specific and they're single serve. And I told the, the community, I, I think that, you know, back when I was doing real estate in Chicago, we had the American with Disabilities Act. With the movement that we're seeing in the last couple of years with transgender movement, we're going to see the way we build buildings change, just like with Americans with Disability Acts. We're no longer going to have communal restrooms because of, of this massive explosion of, of gender identification that seems to be exploding. I don't know what causes it. I don't know what is the cause, but but the reality of it is we have to address it and we have to um, make sure that everybody's, you know, safe. And so that was one of the things we did with the center, but, you know, the center allows people, you know, from all these different cultures of Africa, you know, Germany, Honduras, Mexico, doesn't matter, but there's played. So we've got this big kitchen. And so we have nights where the different cultures cook. Oh, uh, cool. there's a music element there for, cause you should see some of the cooking tools that are used in places like, parts of Africa versus the cooking tools that we're accustomed to. I mean, and so it's very cool because some of the food that they prepare, you know, they don't have the right cooking tools because we're not accustomed to some of those, those dishes. And so, so that was something we had to go out and, you know, buy all that stuff for the kitchen, but it's a very, the center's cool. Uh, the Olympic training facility, I was there just the other day for the opening. It's world-class it's global. It's one of the top three in the, in the world in regards to Olympic training facilities. And and I was surprised at just how, I mean, if I would have had that when I was playing, I told somebody, I go, I'd still probably be playing. Not, that's not true at all. But uh, but the fact of it is, man, they really did a good job. I'm very proud of it. And um, like I said, it's all about, to me, recognize, you know, where you came from. And, and then also, I think it's important. We all got to, you know, uh, you know, pay it back, play it forward. You know, that yep. type of deal. Yeah. How can we, uh, respecting your time, we're over. So thank you for all, everything. How can we support you? What's coming up in the future? What can we have our audience do to help you? You know, have everybody go out there and buy about 150,000 cases of El Bandino. That'd be okay. awesome. Fair enough. <laughs> but uh, no, um, you know, really when uh, the, the businesses, um, we're going to develop them. We work hard on the branding is that, you know, with El Bandito, you know, we're in NASCAR, we're in NHL, we're in NFL, we're in um, NHRA, uh, we're in um, uh, uh, Indy, uh, we're in all the racing elements, all the sports elements and so forth. We do, you know, uh, beach volleyball. Heck, I, I'm, not, I'm trying to think about what we don't do. But, you know, the building a national brand is tough. And mm-hmm. um, and we're, we've got our work cut out for us. But uh but we're starting to see, I think Jelly's moving the needle for us. And that's a good nice. sponsorship. We're looking to do more nice. with him. But uh, just, I encourage people, we're coming to Nashville. Um, we just opened up in Tennessee. Uh, our when are you going to be here? When are you going to be, be here? There. We're going to be there. We're going to come see you about the first week of October, second week of October. And so we've got our distributor group there. Um, uh, Best Brands is going to be distributing for us. And I'm hoping we get in all the cool places. Um, I know Jelly's good friends with, with, um, Bobby Ritchie, the kid, and we hope to get in his places. And I want to meet Steve Smith. I want to meet my buddy Michael Kelly and and Lucky Bastard and and uh, 
Whiskey River and all of them. I want to get in everywhere. I want to get them all of them. I want I want the banded in, in in all the places there. So we just opening up. Uh, we'll have our first shipment coming to Tennessee. We're doing um, uh, Country Thunder at Bristol the first week of October, and so our first shipment arrives in Tennessee first week of October. So nice. and I'm coming down. We'll get together. We'll we'll go have we'll still go have a uh, a toddy or something, and we'll get to visit. Oh, I would. I, I mean it. I would love. I'd be honored to meet you. No, and do, I would be some, honored. Yeah. No, but I, I'd like to promote what I'm doing and on social. I've got a, a nice, healthy following with all the stuff that I'm yeah. doing, and I would love. I would really love that. So please let yeah, me know. Yeah, we'd love how, to have how, you. Hey, you're going to get a special stuff here. You you don't know it, but it's already been prepared. You're, we're getting it already done for you. So you, you're going to get it in a day or so. So my whore shirt. Yeah. My whore. And for this whole crew that's helping you and everything. <laughs> You're amazing. Well, I'm going to sign off right now. I'll talk to you for just a few minutes off air before you go. But I just wanted to thank you again. We thank you, Channel Attitude, all of Russo's brand army. This has been Goldie's Closet 238 with Jim Bob Morris. He's just, wow, I, there's so many things you can say about Jim Bob Morris and also not a whore. But uh, Hello Bandito, <laughs> check it out. Check out the ticker on the bottom. He's got a great, great show. And what's the name of the station, once again, that your show is on? It's every Tuesday, right? We're doing every Sunday. We do the yeah, we do we do the pregame show in and uh, syndicated through WGN and I okay. and, and uh, iHeart and so forth and and uh, I don't know sixteen stations I can't name them all you know is it but it's mo- mostly uh, you know and here's the deal I got to do the Bears and it's a little tough when they're zero and two and getting ready to go zero and three and I have to try to be somewhat and I'm a Packer okay <laughs> the show is great I've listened to uh, three or four um, no well two. I listen, there's like there's a couple other guys that are on there with you, or is it Dane? Which show am I Dane's listening to? I've listened to so many interviews on, with you. Yeah, I bring on I, Dane comes in, and then I've got like Billy Moss is great. Yes. Billy Moss, who was a Fox News post, he was fantastic. Yes, great, great on the mic, really great. I feel like I'm just listening to an NFL game with his voice and his timbre. But yeah, hey, he uh, yeah. I can't thank you enough for being on. I'm going to talk to you off air for just one second, yeah. but I want to thank everybody for tuning in on this Thursday. Whenever you're catching this podcast, I appreciate you. I always remind you to stay safe out there, but stay golden, stay free. You know what I'm saying? And then we clap at the end. Yay! <laughs> That's it. Thanks. What's up, everyone? It's Goldie Impact Wrestling, TLC's Cheap Skates. Ted Nugent's running wild from him somewhere in the woods. And maybe you've seen our band, Goldilocks Band. We're out there. We're on tour. But now we're connecting on Cameo. So I want to tell you that I am here to be your humble servant. And that's whatever you need said for you, for a friend, a shout-out, a golden shout-out. You name it, here and on it. Now, just reminding you, keep it classy, keep it cool. And keep it above the belt. But I want to offer you something a little bit uh, a little bit different. Just remember, if I'm not on the road and I've got access to these next beauties, we can always have... I want to make this the most amazing experience for you ever. Because you deserve it. Your friends deserve it. Your loved ones deserve it. And just remember... I can sing you a few lines of a song. It can be from from anywhere. Like, uh, it can be from somewhere over the rainbow. Or it could be near.
It could even be on a highway to hell. It could even be from there. Oh, and keep in mind, not all requests are the same. Maybe your motivation comes with a harder edge. Maybe you need a more jagged little pill. There's nothing that I love more than playing the heel. So if you need your message delivered with more, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Intention? Please specify. Can't wait to connect with you on Cameo. Thanks so much for being here. Stay golden.